In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, as we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now, I grew up uh, as a small child in the deepest West Country, a mile away from the nearest house on a farm. My grandparents came from North Norfolk, right up on the coast. And every few years, we'd go out and visit them for Christmas. It was the days before seatbelts. We'd always drive overnight. And the four children would lie like sardines in the back of my parents' estate car. As you can imagine, do you know, it was one of the most exciting times of the year. One year we made the trip and the driving wheel, my father was driving the car, didn't have an outer rim on it because a donkey had got through from the back of the car into the passenger seat and caused the outer. But that's a different story. We're not going to go into that today. Anyway, on arrival, there were 11 grandchildren and 10, 10 adults in the house. And it built towards a frenzy of Christmas excitement. I can only imagine that the neighbors spent six months recovering and five months dreading the next visit. One of the games we used to play was blind man's bluff. And with that many people, what a great game. You know, one person blindfold, stumbling around, grabbing hold, catching a, a, a small child or an adult or other, poking, trying to work out 
who, who they were. Great game. Only a game. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if God were like that? We were kind of blindfold, just groping around, trying to work out who God is. It'd be miserable, especially because the stakes are so high. And there's one sentence at the end of this famous reading. Just turn to it on page three, if you would there, in John's account of the life of Jesus. And it's the last sentence on the bottom of page three. No one has ever seen God. That's how the sentence begins. And it speaks of what you might call Christmas confusion. It's a straight statement, and it's a straight statement of fact. I'm not going to do this, but I, I, I thought of asking, you know, hands up, anybody here who has had a fully conscious, face-to-face, full revelation of the God and creator of the universe. And, you know, if you put your hands up, people in the white coats would come to take you away because nobody ever has. Okay, Moses caught a glimpse of God, but it was only a glimpse Isaiah caught a kind of vision of God, but it was only a a tiny vision. To date, not one has put their hands up, actually, when I've asked that question, fearful of the professionals arriving. But of course, this leads to confusion. Of Of course it does, because without revelation, only speculation. I think God is a sparkly toad fairy who steps in on random occasions. I mean, I don't, but somebody might say that. Somebody else might think, I I think God is a cuddly, cozy, sort of heavenly teletubby. Somebody else might say, well, I think God is actually harsh and brutal. And somebody else might say, I think God is a he. And somebody else might say, I think God is a she. And someone else might say, I don't think God exists at all. I want to remain ambivalent. Somebody else might say, I'm an agnostic and I won't make up my mind. And maybe we think that's satisfactory. But it can't be, can it, when the stakes are so high? Uh, Because when we're talking about God, we're talking about eternity, where we end up going for eternity. When we're talking about God, we're talking about purpose, why we're here. When we're talking about God, we're talking about accountability, ultimate accountability. Uh, Who's going to be the judge? What's right? What's wrong? Who decides what's right? What's wrong? Life, death, meaning, direction, justice, judgment, heaven, hell. A number of years ago, I was on a train up to Durham. I was going to speak on this precise sentence up at Durham in the cathedral there and got on the train at King's Cost. It was in the earliest days of mobile telephones. Do you remember when the, the mo- no, some of you don't. Once upon a time, there were mobile telephones for the very first time. And the mobile telephone unit was kind of this sort of size. Well, it wasn't. It was a bit, bit smaller than that, but it was huge. And we weren't used to people speaking in train carriages. And there was a girl in our carriage and she was about to get married and she was speaking loud and clear. And if you want to know what kind of wedding cake what the bridesmaids were wearing, where the wedding reception was going to be held, the hairstyle of the bride, and the color schemes of the bridesmaids, then everybody in the carriage could tell you. In fact, we were given substantial details of what Jane and Jeremy were planning to do on the first night of their honeymoon. Rather too substantial, I may say, such that one passenger said, as we got to Doncaster and the couple got off, the individual girl got off, I've never been so glad to get to Doncaster in my life before. <laughs> 
But it was the other pair sitting at our table that caught my attention, really. There was a dad with a small girl, probably eight. Granny had just died. Dad, where's Granny? And she kept on pushing. You know the way kids do? She kept on pushing. No, where, where, where's Granny? And eventually they settled on, Granny is with the angels in the sky. Now, I didn't say this because <laughs> it wouldn't have been appropriate, but I wanted to, wanted to say, how do you know if you've never seen God? Without revelation, speculation, Christmas confusion. Now, I spoke on this passage as a kind of warm-up. Don't tell them that it was a warm-up, but I spoke on this passage as a kind of warm-up on Tuesday evening earlier this week to a group of the majority of them would have been over 70, I suppose, and I made what you might consider a slightly inappropriate remark and said to them, look, do you know you're probably all facing death quite soon? And, and uh, not very appropriate, I know, but over drinks, uh, a lady came up to me and said, well, I agree with you, actually, but you may not be that far off yourself either, William, <laughs> which I thought was a bit, a, bit, a bit straight, but then I'd been straight with her. But you see, what about the big questions of life? What about death? What about who am I? Why am I here? How do I realize my true potential? No one has ever seen God. Well, it's pure speculation. Your guess is as good as mine. It's just a guess. And why should I go with you? And why should you go with me? Christmas, confusion. Well, now, the beauty of this sentence, it's why I love speaking on it at Christmas, is it doesn't just leave us hanging in the dark. You've actually got the second part of the sentence, which is what Christmas is all about. Just have a look at that verse again, that sentence, page three, last sentence on the page. No one has ever seen God. We've seen the horror of that, the cruel horror of that. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Now, that requires, I think, just a little bit of unpacking. The only God refers to Jesus. It has to. Verse 14, up the page there, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is all about Jesus Christ. You can read all about it in the rest of this account. The only God refers to Jesus who is at the Father's side. I think the key word in that little phrase is who is. That is, John, the eyewitness of Jesus, is saying, or eyewitness of Jesus' life on earth, is saying, you want to know where Jesus is now? He is now at the Father's side. He's with the Father now. He is there. And then it goes on. He, that's Jesus, has past tense, made him, that's God, known. And one scholar has suggested you could translate it like that, this, Jesus has declared God once and for all. So look at the verse again. Let me read it. No one's ever seen God. Yeah, we're all agreed on that. Well, at least I hope we are. The only God, Jesus, who is now at the Father's side with God, he, Jesus, has made God known. Without revelation, speculation, 
with revelation, clarification. We moved from Christmas confusion to Christmas clarity. I wonder what the best Christmas present is you've ever been given. I mean, one of the best ones I've ever had was a chainsaw blade sharpener, but we won't go into the details of that. My dad, people might feel he was mildly eccentric. He used to, he wasn't actually, he was totally normal. He used to make a huge Christmas cracker uh, each year for whoever was coming to Christmas lunch. And it really was vast, and it kind of filled the whole of the dining room table. The table would sit 14 at a pinch, and it just kind of dominated the whole thing. I think if he'd had beer, if he'd had um, great, you know, oil drums, he would have used those for the center. But of course, big cracker, big bang. So there was always a question about how are we going to have, you know, the explosion. One year, we had this very, very kind of old farmhouse, big chimney. One year, he stuck me up the chimney with a shotgun. So when it came to the one, two, three, then the shotgun went off. Let me tell you, letting off a shotgun in a small space when it's a chimney, when I came round a little while later, cousin Jeffrey, well, he wasn't quite being taken away in the ambulance, but he could have been. Anyway, that's a long way round to get to the point, which was when that cracker was sitting on the table, everybody was wondering what was in it. It was so exciting. Once it had been pulled and we'd all regained consciousness, everybody knew. Revelation, clarification. So here is the point you see. No one's ever seen God. But God, the one and only, that's Jesus, who is at the Father's side. What he did has been recognized in heaven. It actually was authentic. Who is at the Father's side, Jesus has, past tense, made God the Father. He's declared him once and for all. So at Christmas time, we remember that God the Son came down, 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 down to this earth in order to make God the Father known to us. Not Christmas confusion, Christmas clarification. And you know, if you go on and read the rest of this account, which I really hope you will, you will, you will see over and again Jesus making this point. He says at one point, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And another point, he says, I and the Father are one. At another point, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I'd, I'd encourage you to take this and read it, to do exactly what we were hearing just now, to explore more concerning the Christian faith, the person of Jesus, because we will move from confusion and speculation to clarity through revelation. Now, it's been a year to remember, hasn't it, with the death of the Queen, particularly just in the latter part of the year. I heard this week an account, secondhand, I have to say, from the person whose task it was to embalm the Queen's body. And I am told that by her bedside, where she died, tattered and worn with use, 
was a Bible. And I don't know if you know this, but at the coronation service, when the queen was crowned, she was handed a Bible, and the Archbishop of Canterbury said to her, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing this world affords. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. Of God. And I don't think I'm jumping to conclusions if I say it's clear that the queen made it her business to read it, which gave her clarity rather than confusion. Of course, with the coming of Jesus, we have true truth. With the coming of Jesus, we have divine light. With the coming of Jesus, well, we're shown what real life is with the coming of Jesus, true freedom. And back earlier on in the text, you can see it there, verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Well, one final comment before we finish. So Christmas confusion gives way to Christmas clarity. And Christmas clarity... Well, I'm slightly in two minds as to how to put this last point. Christmas comfort or Christmas challenge? Christmas comfort. Let's start with Christmas comfort. I started exploring the truth of Jesus seriously as an adult in December 1979. I know it's hard to believe I was an adult then, but I was. And uh, I'd been asked to spend a little bit of time away from school for one reason or another, which is absolutely none of your business. And so I went to stay with my grandparents. And my grandfather, who was a very clear Christian believer, talked to me about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the darkness and confusion that comes as a result of turning our back on God, about Jesus coming into the world, bringing revelation and light, and about the possibility of coming to Jesus and having everything that I'd done wrong forgiven and being able to walk in the light. And that day, I made the decision to turn and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. May I say it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. It was like stepping out of darkness and into light, out of confusion and into clarity. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has declared him. Once and for all. And you know, you could do that this afternoon. You really could do that this afternoon. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you have declared God to us once and for all. You are the light of the world. Lord Jesus, I recognize that without you, I am in the dark. I can only speculate. Lord Jesus, please make God known to me and light up my life. I wonder if you'd like to pray that. I'll ask you in a moment. But just before I do that, 
Yeah, Christmas comfort, as we come to Jesus and see direction and purpose and where am I going and what's right, what's wrong, what is accountability, can I be forgiven, and so forth. But also Christmas challenge. Because you see, if Jesus really has come into the world and made the truth known, then the truth is there. God has declared himself. God can be known. He's not distant. The truth is there. And so the way I handle this truth tells me rather more about myself than it does about the truth itself. I mean, if I choose to reject it, then I'm making a choice to stay in the dark. If I turn to accept it, then I'm stepping into the light. Later on in his account, Jesus says the light has come into the world, but men preferred darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. There's the challenge. Now I'm going to pray this prayer. It's a prayer that is asking the Lord Jesus, to make God known to us and light up our lives. And I wonder if you'd like to echo it in your heart. Please don't pray the prayer in your heart unless you mean it sincerely. You may want to do a lot more investigation about the Lord Jesus before you pray a prayer like this, but it's, it's a great prayer to pray if you're ready to be open to the light rather than stay in the dark. Let me lead us in this prayer. I'll pray it slowly so you can echo it in your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you have declared God to us once and for all. You are the light of the world. Lord Jesus, I recognize that without you I am in the dark. I can only speculate. Lord Jesus, please would you make God known to me and light up my life. Amen.